1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Pull up a stool and join us.
0: 585-866-4FAN. 866-4326. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia on The Sports Leader. 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. We've got to learn from this. It is like I have told you guys. It's it's one game, um, but it, but we have to learn
2: fast because it's a short week. In particular, get our get their bodies back and, and their minds back, ready to go at home this week against a good football team. And um, so, um, but they've, we've got to learn from this. We talk we talk about it a lot, and uh, um, you know, it's again, it's hard to win in this league when you turn the ball over four times.
1: We're gonna. Uh... Talk to Mike Catalano here at 13 Sports, BuffaloPlus.com. Mike, you're a Philly guy. You lived through Andy Reid's time in Philadelphia. I just heard Andy Reid in that soundbite by Sean McDermott. And it just it feels like the message, it certainly feels like it's wearing a little bit thin. Do you think it's worn thin on the players in that locker room, specifically Josh Allen, when we see him make the same mistakes over and over again?
2: Well, uh, let's start with this. I think Andy Reid's one of the all-time great coaches, and I think he might be the best coach in the NFL right now because he is a measured guy. And you can say it wears thin, but I thought that was a very different tone out of Sean McDermott last night. I think he's fed up with Josh Allen's mistakes. I think it's easy to blame everybody else. When When Josh took the blame last night, sometimes he takes the blame and it's Josh being the good old soldier quarterback. He took the blame last night because he did lose the game for them. And you can tell in Sean's voice there, he wasn't angry. I think he's a bit exasperated with his quarterback. And I take it the other way. I think the players are going to get tired of hearing Josh say that and make the mistakes like he did last night. I'm not saying they're giving up on Josh. There was full support in that locker room. But he cost them the game. We can blame Dorsey. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. You can blame the O-line. Don't know if they're good enough. You can blame the secondary receivers. When your quarterback gives the ball up like that, you cannot win. And some of those were unforced errors. And I'm taking it the other way. I think they're tired of hearing it from Josh, and he's got to learn from it.
0: Well, Mike, I'm looking at, and I don't know if you, you were at the game, the monitor showing Josh on the sideline after the Jets go ahead, and he's glazed. I'm not saying he's crying, but he's just like it, it's the it's the million mile stare he's got, and Diggs actually has to come over and try to rile him up. You're getting the ball back with a chance to win the game. Now, as it turns out, they kick the field goal. They go to overtime. For as bad as everything went, you still had a chance to win that game. Mike, my, my question is. I should we be concerned about the mental state of Josh Allen because he says one thing he has told us repeatedly he knows he has to protect himself he knows he can't be making something but yet he goes out and does it and I'm just wondering is 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 there a problem upstairs here
2: Well look Sean McDermott was asked about the confidence is he worried about it he said yeah I'm worried about any player but you know even Josh as confident as he is you can get rattled a little bit I will say this he never mentioned it I was looking back at some of the game, and he took a big hit and definitely hit his head late in that game. And it was right before his interception that he threw towards Diggs, and right after that was the fumble. Not saying that that was the reason he made those mistakes. I'm saying it might be the reason why he looked a little glazed over. I mean, I saw him after the game. I saw him I was in the press room. I saw him standing. I was actually standing in his locker area while we were interviewing Jordan Poyer. And I could tell Josh was trying to get back to his locker and he just looked distant. Now I'm not saying he has a head injury. I'm saying is there's a lot of things going on. By the way, you also mentioned digs digs. Dan Fates was telling me digs was the guy, the whole game, keeping everybody fired up. Yep. Chins up. He kept telling them he was on him. Diggs was Diggs was great as he usually is. He was the offense there, but I'm saying this with Josh. It's like, Hey, it, You know, he is still a great player and he will snap out of this at whatever point, but he's got to look inward here a little bit because it's, it's always been, we blame the other people we blame, you know, when Dayball leaves and Dayball used to get blamed because everybody loves Josh. Right. And you blame the line, you blame Dorsey, you blame this. I wonder at what point it's like, come on, Josh, like we need your help here. Not asking you to be special just not asking you to be that josh anymore.
1: Yeah. I I wonder, Mike, just you know, like how how it's getting drilled into his head. You saw McDermott on the sideline kind of pointing to his head telling Josh play smart, be smart. You know, the the, the messaging that he's getting fed a, a steady diet of protect your body, don't take the unnecessary hits, take what the defense is giving you he knows he can make every throw on the field. Do you think it, do you think it is that mental thing that, that that there's, you know, however they're coaching him that they need to kind of reevaluate how they're, they're getting through to him and and what messaging they're feeding him.
2: 100%. And we talked about it. (laughs) We had a separate version of the Buffalo plus podcast, driving home with Jenna, Dan and myself, just talking about all these things. And Dan was suggesting like, Hey, Maybe, you know, maybe Dorsey needs to come downstairs and be on the sidelines or do something different. It, it, maybe it's, it's the case of being with him. You know, Dable went back and forth a little on what he did initially. Keep in mind, when Brian Dable got Josh, he was that mound of clay and they were up and down, but he built that trust. But he got the Josh Allen that was out of Wyoming trying to figure out how to be in the NFL. I mean, Ken Dorsey inherited a Josh Allen that was already a star, had already had tons of success. You know, there's a lot going on for Josh. He's a different player. He's maintained who he is. I don't think he's changed with his teammates. But, you know, dealing with him in a certain way. You mentioned this. Look, I can get it sometimes when you want to make a pass. I. But it wasn't last night. It wasn't like he's trying to squeeze it in this spot between three players. He's Kind of throwing it up for grabs. You mentioned protecting his body. Guys, he's third and 17. He's trying to run over a linebacker. <laughs> That's just idiotic. You take too many hits. And there's times the protection breaks down. I'm not saying you've got to fall on the ground like Eli, but there are times you don't have to stand there and just take the pounding. It's not smart. And I'll equate this to a golf swing, right? You can go practice. You can take lessons. You can go on the range and you're like, I'm feeling good. And then when the time comes, you get out there, you usually revert back to who you are unless you really work at it. Yeah, when, the, when it's going live, Josh reverts back to being Josh, good and bad. Yeah, but the bad part is is coming out too much.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Thirteen Wham Buffalo Plus as well. Mike Catalana, our guest, and Mike, I'm I, you might have seen the, the the Netflix series Quarterback, and it's insightful. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins, okay, we do not put on Josh Allen's level, but they're showing Cousins meeting with a sports psychologist regularly, and not. I'm just wondering, is is that part of Josh's team? Like, what 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 more can Dayball? Excuse me, what more can Dorsey say, or can Sean McDermott say? I, honestly, I'm just thinking, can there be more help in that regard for the mental aspect of the game?
2: Yeah, and it maybe is a sports psychologist. I don't think you know. It's, it's like with Josh; <laughs> he's not. In some guys, they're blocked, they're afraid, they're afraid to be great. That's not Josh's problem. Like we're trying to look at him and say, would you want to maybe just think of time and circumstance and be the smarter quarterback? Look look at what you're going to see this week. You're going to see the 180 from Josh and Jimmy G. Do you want that kind of guy? No. He's, he's a nice player, but y- you need a guy who can make those plays. But you would think after six years in the league, regardless of who your coach is, you would know that you cannot do this. And when Josh said to us last night, This is eerily reminiscent of last year. That is really something because we went the whole off season. We heard about this dedication. We heard about what he was going to try to do. And then the minute it starts to go the wrong way, we see that Josh come out. And like I said, the most dangerous throw he made was the one he completed to Gabe Davis was between like three guys. Now that would be where you have your arm arrogance and you think you can make the play. I don't understand what he was doing on any of the interceptions. I really don't. I mean, you throw deep to Deontay Hardy with coverage? I can get with Diggs. I'd take any chance with Diggs. I'd throw the ball 20 times a game to Diggs. Um, But the other throw to Gabe was a terrible decision. The defender's right there. That play wasn't going to work. So, honestly, you're right. Whatever they're saying is not getting through. But I do tell you this. I have a feeling if there's going to be a tipping point, this may be it. It might be the kind of thing like you talk to your kids sometimes and you're like, I used to say to my daughter, your way is not working. (laughs) And it takes to a certain point, especially when they're teenagers and you guys know, and then all of a sudden something triggers in them and they start to think differently. And I wonder if Josh national TV Really embarrassing. I'm sure. I don't have to watch the yahoos around the country. I'm sure he's getting ripped, <laughs> but he deserves it for last night. Yeah. He does. And I think maybe walking in that locker room, looking at his teammates who well, there was a lot of mistakes last night, but they still should have won the game. I think he should be a little honestly embarrassed by the way he played.
1: Mike, what was your evaluation of the rest of the offense? Bad Josh aside. I mean, they ran a lot of 12 personnel, which is something we know they wanted to do more of here for the last two seasons with Dorsey as the OC. It felt like Cook was involved and had some nice plays. You got a lot of plays out to the uh, out to the edge in the boundary with with Hardy and and some of the speed out there. What was your takeaway about the bill's offense performance aside from the horrible mistakes by Josh? Yeah. Ever?
2: I look, I like the idea of some of it. I like getting Kincaid on the field. It is the first game. Some of this stuff, honestly, if they'd have won the game, you know, 20 to 13, and you're like, it wasn't great, whatever, I, you would have been able to reasonably look at that. I like when, we, you know, we'd say, takes the cheese a little bit. Dump it off to, you know, Cook. Dump it off to Hardy. Like, don't always look for that. You've got to get Gabe Davis more involved. I'd have to really look at it to see how much he might have been free or open. I know there's one play Josh mentioned it last night where he had digs over the middle and he ended up throwing that pick. I like the idea of it. I'm not going to too much judgment on it. They did drastically go from never in 12 personnel to making that their offense, but it's hard to say in the, in one game against the good defense that it's going to be good or bad. I think this is the way they're going. I think Kincaid is one of their best pass catchers and he will be. It was his first game in the NFL. So I like the idea of it. The execution, maybe not there. But I can tell you what usually messes up execution of a team's offense is having Spencer Brown as your right tackle. (laughs) Because he gets worked. Worked in a game. And I think Josh always has stuck up for his players. But you can tell. Yeah, he bails too early on plays. I think it's a little bit of. I don't think he still does not have faith on that side of the ball, does not have faith on, on that side. And, you know, Osiris seemed to be okay, but you know, you're going up against studs, you know, on, on their defensive line, but they don't trust him. They really don't. And so you quarterbacks tend to bail early with a lack of trust. And I think that's still the case on the offensive line. So I saw some little things that I liked. Um, but it's got to be more than digs at the wide receiver position. Some of that's probably on Gabe, but some of that's on Josh, and some of that's on time to throw.
0: On uh, Spencer Brown, and, and like he's getting worked. And also, uh, that penalty in overtime doesn't exactly help when you're starting off first and 15 and you, oh. you go three and out. Mike, they don't have another option, do they?
2: No, not at the moment, but i got to tell you, I think that's where he's going to be looking. And, you know, we were against... This was another part of our unscheduled podcast, Driving Home, but we were talking about, you know, when you got a guy like Kair Elam who's not even dressing for the game, that sends a message, right? Last year, the message week one, and he's a rookie, but the other rookie is starting. I Maybe mean, he still played a lot. This year, the message is you're not getting a uniform for the first game. You were the number one pick last year. I, I don't know in terms of assets that Dean has to deal with, but he does have substantial draft capital next year. I think, honestly, you have to be looking. you got to be looking at one of these teams in early October that is going to be out of it soon, and you got to be looking to try to steal a veteran offensive lineman from them or make a deal, even if you give up a little bit more. I, I don't think they're getting out of Spencer Brown what they thought they were going to get when they drafted him. Now, they'll tell you otherwise. They try to stick up for their own guys, and I get it. But I just don't see it. I think they got to look there. And, uh, and I'm not, and I'm not overreacting to week one. I say this, every don't overreact to one game, but Spencer Brown has been a problem. He was a problem when he was healthy last year and playing, and then he got nicked up and then he had to, you know, he's, he's trying to rehab all the time and now he's back and he seems to be healthy. So this has been an issue. Josh's decision-making has been an issue. These are not 2023 problems. They've just extended from 2022.
1: Terrell Bernard gets the start and it was our first chance seeing him this season. Uh, There was a couple of plays that he made, but I I also saw a lot of plays where he was just getting completely swallowed up uh, by blocks just way too many times. Did he do enough, in your opinion, to stave off a Christian Kirksey Kirksey activation from the practice squad at some point here?
2: Yeah, they might. Honestly, I, I know they like Bernard. I know McDermott likes him. I like his athleticism. I think his instincts are good. Um... I think he's staying in there. I I don't, you know, maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe that when they look at the tape, they see things they didn't like. They started him. Now, look, Kirksey is just trying to get, I mean, he's got experience with this type of defense, but he hasn't been there that long. Um, That could be down the line. We'll see. But honestly, you know, I don't think they're ready to pull the plug early on Bernard. I think they want him to be the guy. Doesn't mean they won't, you know, two three weeks from now, they're like, okay, this isn't working. we got to give him a rap, you know, get him out of there and, and get the veteran help in there. But um, I thought he was okay. But definitely, he, he wasn't the only one in the run game, by the way. A lot of missed tackles. Corners got to make plays. Safeties. Hmm. Jordan Poyer, not a strong game. Uh, Trey White, missing tackles. Um, you know, there were some other things. Honestly, the, on the plus side, I thought Floyd and Rousseau were really good. I thought they, they made plays, got pressure. Rousseau made a great play on the sidelines, just cut off the angle and then knocked the ball loose. You know, Floyd was, was impactful in the pass rush game. That part that part at least was pretty good. I know the Jets don't have a good offensive line, but um, that, that at least we saw a pass rush. We saw some, some effort and good effort there. But, and I love the play by Benford. Uh, that kid flying down the field. To save four points right there, where it ended up being a field goal, they needed that. But um, yeah, look, you know Bernard hasn't played. He, re- I mean, uh, yeah, Bernard hasn't played, and he was out there. I think he's starting again on Sunday.
0: Mike Carolina thirteen wham. Um, Mike, before we get your thoughts on on Bill's Raiders and what what's coming up here. Uh, we have this story, the, this lawsuit in, from Jim Trotter, former NFL employee who's now uh, with the Athletic. We should mention, and there's a terrible allegation. Uh, you know, the, something that is being alleged that Terry Pagula said. I'm not going to say it on the air because it's it's a you know it's just an allegation, but it's in a lawsuit. Uh, Mike, where where does this go from here? And you know, for, for everybody's sake, I'm hoping this is not true.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, look, I have no indication one way or the other, what is true or is not. I would say this, that Jim Trotter is in a lawsuit. He's taking the information that's available to him. I'm sure he's believing what he has been, what has been alleged there. I mean, this is part of his lawsuit. I can't tell you one way or the other anything. I would have not thought that, but look, we're around Terry Pagula, but I haven't spoken to him in several years. We, I haven't interviewed him, in and I don't even remember the last time. He's not been very public that way. So, you know, I see the person, but we really don't talk to him. So to pretend any of us know what someone would or would not do, I would say those are pretty substantial allegations and horrendous. That's not one of those things that somebody needs to parse one way or the other. The Allegation is horrendous, but I don't know. I have no knowledge of it, but it is part of a lawsuit. So part of me keeps that in mind. It's it's someone who's suing the NFL is going to going to take whatever information they have been given or been able to obtain. So um, in the locker room, those are not great things to come out. I mean, right. And, and players eyes are open and they see things. You remember even back when Josh, when those tweets came out about Josh, Back before he was drafted, I remember talking to Lorenzo Alexander. He's like, yeah, guys see stuff. And then people have to prove something. I think at least people's eyes are open and the people in the building. But I would say when I saw this today, I was taken aback. But I don't pretend to know everything about the ownership of the bills outside of what what has been open to us when we've gotten a chance to talk to them.
1: Mike, uh, win or lose against the Jets, when we looked at the schedule and was released earlier this year, we, I think we all saw the Raiders and penciled in a W in Week Two for the home opener. Is this is this as good of a get right game as the Bills could have hoped for after a disappointing loss?
2: Well, let's start with this. It's got to be a win, and if it's all get right, that would be good. In in you know what I'm saying is like in terms of how they look and what they do. Even last night, it is Week One, and there's some weird things in Week One. You could accept some weak one things, but you still got to find a way to win the game. So while it would be great to see them come out, load up, you know, defense plays better, though Jacobs is going to challenge the run defense, Devontae Adams still, still makes plays, um, but you got to do that and get Josh going, you know, get him back on the right track, reduce the mistakes, figure out a way to win. Raiders or whoever you're playing, right? You got the Raiders and then you got Washington after that. These are games. You are the better team. You should win, but you can't take anything for granted. So yes, it would be great to get right. And I know what you're talking about. And I think that feeling would at least calm everybody down a little bit, but you just got, you got to figure out how to win the game. This team has gone through some changes. And in the big picture, like I said, picture that they would have won that game in overtime, kick the field goal. We'd still be talking about a lot of this, but they'd be from the perspective of 1-0 and when it's 0-1. And, and I don't even fall too much into that 0-2, who makes the playoffs, because it's 17 games. Look at Jacksonville came back last year. A lot of teams can do that. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that they would start out losing at home to the Raiders coming off a loss. That would not be a good look at all for the franchise.
0: So, Mike, what's uh, coming up tonight on 13 Wham? And, and did you actually record that, that uh, podcast form in the car ride back?
2: No, I would say it would have been entertaining. In fact, Dan joked at one point, I'm recording all this. <laughs> so, uh, no, it wasn't recorded. But we did record our post-game thoughts for it. We'll have our podcast out later this week. I'll be talking to reporters in uh, Las Vegas this week on what they're seeing from their Raiders Undefeated Raiders coming into Orchard Park this week. So, and you know Rochester has a sneaky amount of uh, Raiders fans. Around. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a group, and uh, they got to be feeling it a little bit coming into Orchard Park to get to see their team. So, that should be fun. But uh, yeah, we're loaded up with content. We had some good stuff, and I will tell you guys this, and you're probably hearing it too. In many cases with Bills fans, when we are critical of Josh Allen, a lot of fans don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's always. Somebody else's fault, or this isn't right, or you're being, that has not been the case today. I mean, at least from our experience, like a lot of people are, you know, some people go overboard. I had a guy last night asking me why they didn't bench him during the game. And like, <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah,
2: you know, come on, like you, that's not going to happen. But uh, I think people are looking at this going, come on, Josh, you got to do better And let's see how self-aware he is coming into week number two.
1: Sounds like the honeymoon is over, and we now want to see some wins. Mike, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy the rest of your week. Let's do it again soon.
2: All right. Let's go, Mets.
1: Wow. Wow. You
0: didn't need to do
1: that. A little parting shot for you there, Gino. 13 Web Sports Director, (laughs) buffaloplus.com.
0: Mike Cadillac sharing his thoughts <laughs> oh. from last night's loss in the middle. East. He's right, though, about, all right, we can say it. The coaches say it. The guys are in the locker room are like, really? Really, Josh? Like, can there be? It, I, I thought maybe the Cincinnati game would have been the turning point. It seemed to look like more of an extension of what we saw in that Cincinnati game. Last Truth. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break here. Come back. Happy hour is right around
1: the corner. We have time for your calls. If you've been trying to get through, try again. Uh, 866-4326-585-866-4FAN. That's the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line. Uh, You can join us anytime. Reaction to last night's game? We'd love to hear it here during happy hour. We've got a round of shots. Last call as well. Before we go to break, Gino, who's hot And who's cold in fantasy football? By the way, nothing like losing your fantasy football matchup in walk-off fashion when your opponent has the New York Jets defense and they get the the touchdown on the punt return and it's enough for them to beat you when you were comfortably in the lead going into last night's game. Just more salt in the wound for your hero over here.
0: Yeah, who's hot? Anytime you have 11 receptions, 215 yards against a team that went to the playoffs last year, Tyreek Hill. And, and, and we'll throw into, uh, and that pains me to say, yes, the Miami Dolphins right now, very hot, and they get New England week two. So no reason to think that that is uh, going to be slowing down. And who's cold? Um a quarterback we were all hoping for here. What about Kenny Pickett? That was as bad as uh, an opening week performance. Who's hot and who's cold? I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett as being cold.
1: It's uh, always fun and challenging to know when to start a player that's heating up or bench one that's cooling off. It's not fun to be too hot or too cold in your home or business. Make the best lineup call you can. Call Airquip today. The Sports Bar with Danger Bataglia. Coming back next with Happy Hour and your calls at 866-4326. The Fan Rochester.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.